This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Today's podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Get $20 off your first order when you use my code NASH. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. What a guest we have today. Dr. Paul Saladino is here. Did I get that right? That's right, man. I pronounced it right. Good? Okay, we're off to a good start. I got the name right. One for one. Let's go. <laughs> uh, you're somebody that I have just, I'm so excited you're here because you're somebody I've watched uh, for years on TikTok and just been like, dude, what is this guy up to? And and I'm always trying to better myself and um, especially as I get older, I'm 50 years old. Um, and I went through a, a crazy uh, transformation last year and then lo- sort of lost it now. Really? Yeah. I lost like 30 pounds and then I probably put another 20 back on. Okay. We can talk and, about it. And, uh, and that's just like, you know, just from working and stuff. And so when I see your TikToks and I see your podcast and stuff, you know, I just love the way that you tackle all, all different things. Food, sunscreen, Diet Coke, McDonald's, AirPods. And let's, I, let's just get into it today. Let's go deep. I want you – I want to come out of here going – I, I want something more from this podcast. All right. <laughs> I don't want to just find out about you. I want to be selfish, this podcast. I got what do you it. think of that? I got you. I want to come out of here like, damn, like I'm 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 invigorated. I'm gonna change my life. Yeah. Okay. I got you. So that's 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 why you're here. We're gonna do it. Okay, great. And of course, we're gonna promote your beef jerky and, and everything that you do and and just you're you're a monster on TikTok, on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. I, I see you on all the channels, right? And you have a podcast. Yep, I've got a podcast. Yeah. All how did things. you get how did you get started in all this? I am fascinated by human health. I mean, my dad's a doctor, my mom's a nurse, and I saw family members around me that were just becoming older and decrepit, for lack of a better yeah. word. And I thought, I don't ever want to be that way. So how do I fix it? It's it's mostly begins as a selfish thing, right? It's yeah. like, how do I figure this out for me? Because I don't want to have this happen to me. I was joking with a friend of mine. I'm actually in Los Angeles right now filming a documentary. Mm-hmm. So I'm making a documentary about human health and improving food quality and how powerful that is for human health. That's a little bit of ways because we kind of just started filming. But my buddy asked me in this documentary, like, why did you become a doctor, Paul? And I thought the most pithy but really true answer is that I became a doctor because I hate taking my car to the mechanic. Yeah. I hate the feeling that I get when I give my car something that's central to me living my life mm-hmm. in most places in the world, moving around in the world, not everyone, but most of us rely on our cars, giving it to someone. I don't know what the heck they're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to fix it myself. And I'm sort of just kind of at a loss. They come back and say, oh, it's the carburetor. It's the intake valve. It's your brakes. It's your transmission. I don't know. It's right. your windshield wiper fluid. I don't know. Right. I don't know how to fix any of that stuff. I hate that feeling. Mm, and I thought, I never want that feeling with my body. And I never want people that I care about in my immediate family to have that feeling. I want to know as much as I can because I want to fix myself and then maybe help people that I care about fix themselves so that they don't have to go to the mechanic and just, you know, kind of not be sovereign over their health. Like we are, we go to the doctor, I got chest pain, doc. I can't breathe. I'm gaining weight. I got swollen ankles. My, my joints hurt. I'm not sleeping. The doctor is completely in charge. You have no idea what to do. It's really hard. So I never wanted that. And that's, that's probably been my fascination. Obsession might be a better word. I I noticed that even like, if I take a few days off from working out, I, I notice my body, like, it starts to shut down. Like, I was on a plane yesterday, and I had worked out for a few days, and I got, like, a shooting pain down my leg. And I was just like, yo, this is not, uh, this is not okay. Yeah. So when you don't keep to it, you don't tend to yourself, your stuff just goes wrong. Martin and I, uh, my buddy who's sitting off camera here, we're talking about this on the way over here. It's the same with food yeah. as it is with movement. If we let the quality of our food slide, we quickly become lesser versions of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think it's totally okay for us to eat a piece of birthday cake with our son or our daughter on their birthdays or have dessert with our mm-hmm. fiance or partner or wife or husband on anniversary or whatever, or eat 
you know, I don't know, a junk food snack with your friend at soccer practice just to celebrate a, a goal or something. But if, if we can, I firmly believe that if as humans, if we can understand what truly high quality food is and we eat high quality food for 85% of the time, we're going to be a completely different human mm-hmm. in the way that we look, the way that we feel, our energy, our libido, our sleep, our mental clarity, what we create in the world mm-hmm. than if we don't do those things. And When's so the just, last time you cheated? You had something. See, I'm different. Okay, asterisk. I've seen a tist- I saw a TikTok that you made. Someone asked you, like, when's the last time you, like, cheated or had uh, cake or whatever, and you said, I don't. <laughs> this, is an, this is an asterisk, right? So this is a, this is a superpower, yeah. but it's also a foible yeah. of mine. Like, I think I have, like, obsessive tendencies. Good. I'm not OCD. In right. psychiatry, I actually did my residency in medical school in psychiatry. And I don't practice psychiatry anymore. Eventually, I got interested in what creates neuroinflammation in the brain and realized that the same things that create neuroinflammation in the brain create neuroinflammation or create inflammation in the whole body. So mm-hmm. the whole idea of medicine, you know, s- s- dividing humans into brain and body is kind of s- silly. So but I'm, I'm really interested in these in mental health and I'm not OCD, but psychiatry, which I don't love anymore, would probably call me OCPD. That's obsessive compulsive personality disorder, which basically just means that I tend to be a little rigid when I think about some things, not everything, but some things. And it's just a personality trait that I have. Mm -hmm. And I think that has been helpful for me and allowed me to do what I do, but it also makes it hard for me to connect with people sometimes in dating relationships, whatever, my own life, because I don't really see the world the same way. So sometimes people ask me, when was the last time you cheated? Will you ever eat a cookie? And I'll tell you this really confidently. I don't think that I ever need to eat a cookie for the rest of my life. I don't ever need to eat pizza for the rest of my life because for me, it's not worth it. And that's just, again, this is just kind of like my alien nature as a human. My struggle then is to connect with people who don't think that way and help them understand how to make the right decisions. But it also allows me to be sort of pretty pretty strict about what I do and maintain a good health life, right? And I can still connect with people. I love my personal relationships. I like being social with people. But I'm different than a lot of people. I don't drink. Yep. I don't drink either. I've probably smoked marijuana three times my whole life. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't Were you, you ever out of shape? Not in my adult life. Yeah. But I've looked a little different than this. I've been skinnier than this. I've been much skinnier than this. Uh-huh. When I was raw vegan, I was much skinnier than this. I was 20 pounds of lean muscle mass lighter than I am now when I was a raw vegan. We can talk about that. Wait, wait, you were a raw vegan at one yeah, point? Yeah, like 15 years ago. That was the beginning of my thinking about diet. Right. You know, because college, I was like pre-med. I took six years off and basically traveled. Yeah. I went to New Zealand. I through hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. I walked from Mexico to Canada. I was a ski bum. I did all kinds of crazy stuff. And then I went back to medical school first as a PA in cardiology because my dad's a doctor. I saw him overwork his whole life. I never wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. So I thought a physician assistant, which is like in between a doctor and a nurse maybe, Mm -hmm. I thought that would be a good road. But working as a PA, I thought, I need more autonomy. I really want to be able to correct things at the root cause. Mm-hmm. So I went back to medical school. Okay. And it was it was right at the time when I was a PA that I started thinking about nutrition. There was no nutrition taught to me in PA school. So it's a two-year master's. You go to take classes with medical students at George Washington University where I did my, my PA school. And zero nutrition. Oh, wow. But I'm working as a PA in cardiology, and I'm starting to think about nutrition, but I don't really have a good basis. I've forgotten most of my biochemistry. And the first thing I find is like vegan ideas. And then I get into raw veganism and I think, oh, cooking food is bad for us. And oh yeah, all animal foods are bad for us. I'm just going to go raw vegan and see what happens. Right. So you've experimented in sort of like a supersize me way. In the opposite. <laughs> yeah. You've experimented on yourself. Yeah. Make me. Because now you're all pro meat. I'm super pro meat. But you were you're not at one point. Uh, many years ago, I was anti meat. And what happened when you were anti-meat how was your body the movie would have been called make me gaunt <laughs> make me thin. the opposite of supersize me make me so skinny that girls don't even want to go out with me yes. you know not that that's the most important thing but that was ultimately one of the straws that broke the camel's back and kind of j- broke me out of that haze and thought i'm so skinny that this girl that i want to go out with says you're too skinny i'm not interested in going out with you yeah i also started thinking about where we've come from as humans evolutionarily and realized that meat has been a part of the human diet for hundreds of thousands of years. And I thought, oh man, it makes so much sense for humans to eat meat. Why have I been thinking this is bad for me? Mm -hmm. So I reincorporated meat 15 years ago and then had a number of iterations on my diet since then. 
and we can talk about all that. And you've had, and you even had an iteration where, which I read was you were eating just meat, and that worked out not so great. It worked out good in some ways and not so great in others. So the, right, what were the detriments of just meat? Yeah, so meat? I've done both sides. Yeah, of the spectrum. Cool. Yeah, I've done all plants. Yep, and I've done all meat. Mm-hmm. And I even had a phase when I was doing all meat when it was uncooked. So I've done raw vegan and raw carnivore. I ate only raw meat for a little while. How was that? What was what were the effects of that? So okay, yeah. So I'll tell you that, then I'll tell you about carnivore. So raw meat is interesting. I eat a lot less raw meat than I do cooked meat. There's just mm-hmm. something about cooking meat that makes it more palatable for me as a human and makes it more interesting. Raw meat is great. I felt good with it. I don't think I felt better with raw meat than I did with cooked meat. Uh-huh. People in the raw meat communities are generally pretty healthy, but there is an increased incidence of foodborne illness. Any raw food, whether it's raw meat, raw fish, sushi, uh-huh. raw vegetables, raw milk, raw eggs, they all have a risk of contamination, and we can talk about all that. Then I did cooked, and, and it was actually within carnivore when I was strictly eating meat and organs. So you would have no vegetables? No vegetables for about a year and a half. And what happened? So that the reason I started that was because I had eczema and uh-huh. asthma. Uh-huh. And all of the other dietary iterations, vegan, uh, raw, raw vegan, specifically paleo, autoimmune paleo, keto, they'd never been able to fix my eczema. So I heard Jordan Peterson on Rogan's podcast. I heard this. A long time ago. Yes. And he was talking about doing a carnivore diet. It helped his autoimmune condition. And I was in residency at the time at the University of Washington. I'd done medical school. I'm in residency. And I'm really interested in autoimmune conditions. I'm interested in <clears throat> the ways that the human body kind of attacks itself, mm-hmm. that I think is a model system for a lot of problems. And I think a lot of illnesses we have as humans are autoimmune. People are probably familiar with things like eczema, psoriasis, seborrheic dermatitis, mm-hmm. but acne has autoimmune components. Cardiovascular disease, heart disease has autoimmune components. A lot of gut issues, inflammatory bowel disease, also irritable bowel diseases have autoimmune conditions. So I think a lot of what we suffer from as humans is autoimmune. And I wanted to understand if eating only meat or having a very restrictive diet can moderate an autoimmune condition in me. Could it help other people? Let me experiment. So doing strict carnivore improved the eczema. It completely resolved it. I don't have eczema or asthma. They're part of an atopic condition together. But after a year and a half of eating only meat and I was eating liver and heart and animal fat and salt, I started to have problems with like electrolyte balance. And then I had to kind of re-examine human physiology and how we manage electrolytes, sodium, potassium, chloride, calcium, magnesium. These are all resorbed at the level of the kidney when we have insulin in the human body. And there's protein creates a little bit of insulin, but mostly carbohydrates are the insulinogenic substances that we eat. And so adding carbohydrates back to my carnivore diet helped immensely with the electrolyte imbalance. I was getting muscle cramps. Uh-huh. I had heart palpitations, palpitations when I was sleeping. I was always a little cold. What kind of carbohydrates did you add back in? So this was very intentional that I I was thinking, the thing about carnivores, it made me think about plants differently. You've got this wall of green yeah, leaves Yeah, this is probably <laughs> giving you PTSD. You hate <laughs> no, I'm plants. Good. I'm good. I know, I've seen that you do not like plants. <laughs> no, we're good, we're good. There's hopefully a, there's an animal hiding in this jungle back here somewhere too. But, well, know, like, well, well, what I learned from you is that plants... Um, have something in them so you don't eat them, right? They de- they've developed over years different chemicals defense and things chemicals. that are, defense chemicals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is obviously you've got some some faux plants here. I'll I'll put the word out. This is not a real living wall. Not real. You're safe, Paul. <laughs> you you are safe here. But but these these the equivalent of these plant leaves in nature, right outside your door here, would contain defense chemicals. Yeah. And different plants contain different defense chemicals, and we know that these defense chemicals are evolved by plants in their arms race with animals and insects and other multicellular organisms that diverged from the plant kingdom about 400 million years ago. Right. So we're talking like before dinosaurs, right? Right. (laughs) Plants and animals diverge and plants say, oh, I'm in the ground. I can't move anywhere. I got to have some defense chemicals or these people are just these, not people, obviously I misspoke. These animals and insects and other things that are moving around on the ground are going to eat me without any, without any regard. So plants and animals have had this kind of, love-hate relationship for millions millions and millions and millions of years. And so where we end up today is Homo sapiens has been around for 350, 400,000 years. Pre-hominid humans, humanoids have been around for 2 million years. 
the main theories in anthropology and evolution are that we diverged from chimpanzees and bonobos maybe 4.5 million years ago, maybe in the East African Rift Valley. And so we've been evolving as humans, and an interesting, happen, an interesting thing happened in our evolution as humans about 1.8 million years ago, and it's that our brains start getting much bigger. And nobody really knows what, why this happened, but it was pre-homo sapien evolution, but probably the spark in terms of what led us to be human. But I think one of the most compelling things that we see in the fossil record is that 1.8 million years ago is right about the time we started hunting. You can see stone tools, cut marks on bones, mass graves of animals saying, and the, the, the quote, pre-humans at this time were Homo habilis, Homo erectus, Homo heidelbergensis, and mass graves of animals. So it's pretty clear humans started hunting around 1.8 million years ago. Stone mm -hmm. tools, bifacial tools, Acheulean tools, these kind of things. And our brains started getting bigger 1.8 million years ago. So mm -hmm. correlational, we don't really know what happened. Could have been aliens, who knows. Um, but fascinating things happen there. And we've had this kind of interesting relationship with plants the whole time. You know, our our primate ancestors, if you look at our primate ancestors, chimps and bonobos, mostly frugivorous, mostly fruitarian, but they will eat other animals. What's a bonobo? A bonobo is like a, it's like a, one of these monkeys, right? Uh -huh. Well, I should be careful with this. I don't know if a bonobo is a monkey. A bonobo might be different lineage than a monkey. It's a primate. Got it. So chimps and bonobos are very closely related. Got it. Have you seen this documentary, Chimp Empire? I've heard about it. Yeah, so the, this this guy did this, and one of the things they left out of Chimp Empire was how often the chimpanzees will kill and eat monkeys. Yeah. So chimps are actually pretty, pretty often going to eat other animals. They will eat a lot. They will eat a significant amount of meat. Right. It makes us kind of skittish as humans because we're thinking like, wow, it's like humans eating each other, or yeah. even chimps. These are all sort of simian. They all have hands and thumbs and opposable thumbs. It makes it gets kind of close to home for us. But it's true that we are from a lineage of, of, of primates that ate a lot of fruit, ate honey, and ate meat more often than we like to admit. Right. And my hypothesis, what I believe if you look at the fossil record in anthropology is that as we became more and more human, we ate more and more meat. And you can see this, that you can look at stable isotope studies of the bones and teeth of Neanderthals from 50 to 60,000 years ago, or coexisting Homo sapiens from around the same time period, and you find that we were getting almost all of our protein from animals at that yeah. time. So, And then the question is, how much plant food versus how much animal food are humans meant to eat? What's ideal? Again, it's just hypothesis and sort of opinion and conjecture, but I think there's an interesting hypothesis here. This is where I started thinking with the carnivore diet that like maybe plants, leaves are not the best thing we should eat. Because if you ask most doctors who are supposed to be at the top of the medical hierarchy and know what's good for us, or you ask nutritionists or dietitians, they'll tell you plants and plant leaves are the best thing you can eat. Mm -hmm. And I would suggest that that's completely wrong. That's kind of the bottom of the pyramid. I think if we collect all of the non-processed foods, I think everyone, mostly everyone agrees that ultra-processed food, garbage. Right. Get it out. Anyone listening to this, you get rid of ultra-processed food, anything that comes in a bag or a box or a, a container with a label on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, generally Doritos. speaking. Yeah, ultra-processed food you know, with additives. That's a problem for humans. But unprocessed or minimally processed animal and plant foods much better for humans. But if we're looking at those foods and you have a table with vegetables, you've got some leaves on it, you've got some nuts, you've got some seeds, you've got some roots, you've got some fruit, and you've got some meat. I think that if you gave that table to our hunter-gatherer ancestors or a currently living hunter-gatherer today like the Hadza of Tanzania mm -hmm. or the Khoisan of Botswana and Namibia, they would clearly have a preference for a few of those foods. Mm -hmm. And if you ask them, and studies have been done with this, Frank Marlowe is a is a researcher who looked at the Hadza in Tanzania. He basically asked them, what are your favorite foods? Both men and women said honey was their favorite food, and then men said meat was their second favorite food. Mm -hmm. Women have a three-way tie between berries, baobab, which is a fruit in Africa, mm -hmm. and meat, and both men and women have tubers as their least favorite food. Leafy greens don't even make it in the top five. Right. <laughs> Salad doesn't even make it in the top five of our ancestors. Right. And this was kind of what I was thinking with the carnivore diet, like, okay, maybe maybe these plant defense chemicals, maybe I'm uniquely sensitive, or there are some people who are more sensitive than others to plant defense chemicals, which tend to be concentrated in the vegetable parts of plants, which are the non-fruit parts of plants. So you have leaves, stems. We don't eat a lot of stems, but like celery is a stem. Like a romaine. Well, romaine is a leaf, generally. Right. Yeah, okay. but like celery is a stem. Stem. And then roots, which are like potatoes or sweet potatoes, and then the seeds. 
Seeds are the seeds, nuts, grains, and beans. Those are all seeds. So mm-hmm. contrast those plant foods with the fruit, which is the part that plants often make colorful when it's ripe and make sweet. Plants are kind of telling you, eat this. Don't eat the rest of me so much, please. Mm-hmm. But I want to put a caveat here that a lot of people can eat vegetables and be super healthy. Yep. What's interesting for me is that there are some people who feel better without them. And that's really been something that I've been talking about. It's a controversial part of what I talk about because most people believe vegetables are the best thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But I think that if there's two things, some of the most important things that I feel compelled to talk about with my platform and the, the information I'm putting out are number one, don't fear meat. It's gotten a bad rap. It's super beneficial for humans. Mm-hmm. We can talk more about that. And vegetables aren't great for everyone. If you can eat vegetables and and thrive, great, do it. Yeah. But a lot of people who have autoimmune diseases like me mm-hmm. or persistent fatigue or joint pain or anything, if they limit the vegetables or cut them out as an experiment, a lot of people feel better. That's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So for my story, going back long, long circle here, carnivore didn't work for me because of the ketogenic component. I needed to have carbohydrates in my diet and I added back in fruit. Ah, uh, so that's your carbohydrate, not brown rice. Fruit or... and honey, yeah, not brown rice. And we can talk about why, specifically why I'm not a fan of brown rice. Why? Brown rice has a lot of heavy metals uh-huh. because of the hull. You can get less heavy metals in white rice. It still has more heavy metals than a lot of other foods. So you think white rice would be better for me than brown rice? Absolutely. Really? If you're, if you're doing better than, yes, white rice much better than for what you. What do you than make of uh, like a gluten-free pasta? It's probably better than a gluten-containing pasta, yeah. depending on where the wheat is from. I read that you only eat at 10.30 and 4.30. That's not true. true? <laughs> no, that not true? that's not true, no. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> okay, so so tell me, like, what did you eat today? So... You woke up. It's what, a little different here because I'm in Los Angeles traveling. This is the hard part. You're traveling. Yeah, yeah. Versus so really versus anything. Costa Rica surfing, but my diet is very similar. It's just the timing might be a little different. Right. You bring food with you when you travel. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm I can I'm okay buying food at Lazy Acres. We talked about yeah. or Sprouts or you know yeah. whatever when I'm in Los Angeles. So when you leave Costa Rica to come work in LA, you bring food with you on the plane. On the plane, absolutely. What do you bring? You bring a cooler with bison in it? No, I, I don't even worry about it getting okay. getting warm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know? People are gonna worry from food safety perspective but my gut flora can handle it just fine i never get sick from that okay but so i brought the last time i brought coconuts okay so you can bring coconuts on the plane because i am a water i'm just very strict about water right i don't drink tap water yep i I don't want to drink water from the you know a plastic bottle plastic bottle at the airport who knows it's been sitting how long it's been sitting i bring coconuts you bring coconuts you can bring coconuts on any flight anywhere in the world (laughs) And you, <laughs> coconuts are the ultimate hack. Um, <laughs> so I either bring coconuts. So you go to security with a bunch of coconuts. Yeah, yeah, almost all the time. Yeah, it's yeah, a little yeah. bit harder to get the coconuts. How many coconuts I'm, did you bring on through security? I probably got ten. Ten coconuts. Yeah, I shared them with Martin on the plane, and then I, you know, did some. And how do you I, crack them on the plane? Oh, I have a like a metal straw. And yeah. if you've ever seen a coconut, oh, yeah, 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 like a young coconut, there's three little eyes yep. on top, and one of them is soft, and you can just Put push it right in there. You can just push the straw right in there, yeah. Or yeah, I could bring like a stone because the other side of the coconut, you can take a stone and crack with a stone and then just drink it like out of a cup. But that's uh-huh. more like Costa Rica style uh-huh. coconut. So, but there's other ways to do this. You know, you can get, you can either, you know, bring fruit that is like very uh, liquidy, like an orange to stay hydrated. Or, I mean, it's not the end of the world if you have a, uh, a stainless steel water bottle and you fill it up with the water, you know, the, the water in the water fountain so, so at the airport. So you're at the hotel. What did you eat today? Oh, I don't stay at hotels. Oh. <laughs> Airbnbs. I mean, they're, okay, they're, Airbnbs. They're, they're hit and miss because I have to have a stove. Oh, because you're I got, right. Okay. I got to cook for myself. Okay, so, okay. So you land in LA. Tell me exactly what you do. Your first thing you do is go to the grocery store? Absolutely. Okay. First right. thing you go do, to Sprouts or Lazy Acres. Yeah, Sprouts or Lazy Acres. You, you get everything, and so then you wake up this morning. Did you work out this morning? I didn't work out yet today. Okay, but, but you are going to. Probably today, yes. And so, okay, so what did you eat this morning? What did you so eat today? First thing I had when I woke up this morning was fresh squeezed orange juice. Great. I travel with a $10 orange juicer, like a hand juicer from Amazon. Uh-huh. It's the best $10 I've ever spent. Uh huh. And I got the oranges. I was actually out in an orange grove in Riverside. I picked some organic oranges and I juice those or I'll get organic oranges at a grocery store. And I'll have the juice of probably six or seven oranges this morning. Mm -hmm. And then I had some raw milk, raw kefir and honey. Mm -hmm. And then a little later. Kefir, is that like milk? It's fermented milk. Yeah. So I've actually been to the farm here in California that makes the raw milk that I get when I'm in LA. It's called Raw Farm. It's cool. They're in the, um, they're over by Fresno. And they have over, I think they have like a thousand cows. They're the biggest producer of raw milk, I think, traditionally or like 
like accepted raw milk in the world, I think. Uh-huh. It's pretty incredible. And I've seen the place they make the kefir. They basically have a huge, it might be 600-gallon vat of milk. They keep it at 78 degrees for 24 hours, and they put in the kefir cultures, which I think is 24 different strains of bacteria. What does the kefir do for you? It's just protein. I, it's just same as milk. It's just like yeah. raw milk. It's just a different texture, mm-hmm. and it's basically had some organisms in it. So it's in some ways a probiotic, like a natural probiotic. It's like a yogurt, but I like it more than yogurt. Mm-hmm. And I'll have kefir and milk and honey, yeah. and then I make burgers. So later in the morning, I made burgers, and I had grass-fed beef burger. Time to get up. I got up this morning about 6.30, which is later than I get up when I'm in Costa Rica. Okay. Usually in Costa Rica, I'm up at about 5.30. Yeah. What time do you go to bed? Like 8 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, for real. Not here. You bed at 8 o'clock? Not here, but in Costa Rica, yes. And so what do you do if someone says, Paul, I, uh, I, wanna, I, I work for a big company, and I love what you do. I, I want to take you to Mastro's, uh, and I, I want to do business with you. Uh, what do you do? Well, first of all, I'm going to be like, Mastro's, whatever. I can make a better steak in my own house. You uh, okay, know? okay. That's good. <laughs> they're not, they're not, I like this answer. They're Go not ahead. serving grass-fed steaks there, you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, but like I— Because I would I, think Mastro's would be a place that you could eat. I could definitely eat there, but it's yeah. not going to be a grass-fed steak. Maybe they do. Mastro's can correct me. But when I go to a restaurant, people might be interested in this, I'm always going to ask— do you cook the steak in seed oils? What is on the grill? Are you cooking it on just a flat top? Are you cooking it in a grill? Are there any seed oils touching the right. steak? I went to a nice restaurant in LA the last time I was here for a conference, and there were only two steaks on the menu that were not marinated in canola oil before they served wow. them. Yeah, I would not have expected this. Right. And it was. And uh, you're very against seed oil. I'm totally against seed oils. Yeah, I think they're why? horrible. It's a little technical, but I'll try and break it down for okay. you. So, evolutionarily. Not olive oil. Olive oil is a fruit oil, yeah. but I'm, I have some concerns about olive oil also, which okay. we'll hopefully get to. But c- seed oils are corn, canola, sunflower, safflower, soybean, peanut, grapeseed, anything that's from a seed, right? Avocado oils from the fruit, olive oils from the fruit. They're not from the seed, but we can talk about potentially issues with both of those as well. Seed oils, never a part of the human diet, completely evolutionarily inconsistent, and significantly increasing our consumption of a fatty acid called linoleic acid. And it's an 18-carbon omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acid that accumulates in our bodies. It's just a nuance of human physiology that we accumulate this omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acid. We hold on to it. And just like any fat-soluble, quote, nutrient, I believe we can get toxic in it. Mm. And historically, we would never have eaten the amounts of linoleic acid that we're eating now. To get, the average American consumes between four and seven tablespoons of seed oils a day from corn, canola, sunflower, safflower, soybean, et cetera, from chipotle, from your salad dressing, Mm. from your tortilla chips, whatever. And to get five to seven tablespoons of corn oil, you have any guesses how many ears of corn you'd have to eat? 100. 65 to 75. We would never have gotten that. Right. Five tablespoons of soybean oil, over two and a half pounds of soybeans. Got it. Five tablespoons of sunflower oil, Uh two two to three pounds of sunflower seeds. Okay. You know? So it's just crazy, right? When you think about this, canola isn't even a seed. It's a rapeseed that they use to make canola. What? Canola (laughs) is from a rapeseed in Canada. Canola is an acronym. Did you know that? Canola is an acronym. It stands for Canadian Oil Low Acid. Oh, wow. So this made in Canada, probably because they were trying to figure out what to do with all these rapeseeds. Yeah. And it's it's actually not a native rapeseed. It's a low erucic acid rapeseed. It's essentially a genetically we modified- have to this whole section. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say rapeseed? <laughs> you can't. It's a rapeseed. <laughs> Listen, I love it. I love it. I know what you're saying. Go ahead. Low erucic acid. No, YouTube acid. has like weird uh, words. Oh, yeah, but it's. How do you spell it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you spell it the same way. <laughs> yeah, R A P E S E E D. Is it one word? Yes, it's one word. It's I not gotcha. two words. You, you didn't do anything wrong. I just think it's funny. Yeah, so the, what you're getting in canola oil is a low erucic yeah, acid. <laughs> what you're getting in canola oil is low erucic acid, this kind of seed. Yeah. Right? The, the bleep seed. And um, they have to they have to take the erucic acid out of the seed because erucic acid, which is a monounsaturated fat, is associated with heart lesions, and no. it's actually illegal. You can't give it to humans. You can't sell regular bleep seed oil, yeah. uh, rapeseed oil in the United States. You can't sell it. You also can't sell mustard seed oil in the United States legally to humans because it has too much of this erucic acid. So when you're eating canola oil, you're eating a genetically modified seed called a low erucic acid rapeseed, and it's, so it's like this weird thing, and it's super highly processed. Have you ever seen a seed oil plant? 
it looks like an oil refinery. It is an oil refinery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead of refining crude oil, they're taking seeds, whether it's corn, canola, sunflower, safflower seeds, or soybeans, or rape seeds, yeah. low rustic acid rape seeds, and they're squeezing them and pressing them and extracting them with hexane, which is contaminated with benzene. So every seed oil has traces of benzene, which is a carcinogen. And I'm pointing to this, but there's nothing up there. Yeah. But um, so benzene is a carcinogen. When I was when I was in college, I majored in chemistry. And benzene is a known carcinogen. You do not want to mess with benzene. I had professors that got cancer and everybody was like, oh, too many organic solvents like benzene. Benzene is horrible for humans. It's not healthy. It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not benign. And it's in seed oils in small amounts, but significant amounts, parts per million amounts of benzene are in seed oils. So like when I go to the movies, the popcorn, is that made with seed oil? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. pure seed oils in popcorn butter. Yeah. It's not even, there's no butter in it. It's pure Seed oils. There's no movie. butter on popcorn. Mm -mm. They don't. They don't put butter on. That's movie popcorn butter. Oh, it's like fake butter. It's completely fake butter. Probably one of the worst things for you. It's probably one of the worst <laughs> things. It's like the epitome <laughs> of the badness, man. So that's seed oils, right? And seed oils are I horrible. I like what scares you. Seed oil is horrible, horrible <laughs> yeah, for like humans. Nightmares. Of like yeah, a, a not popcorn, not popcorn butter. Don't make me eat it. Pack of Skittles. Uh, no. <laughs> Skittles are bad for other reasons, all the dyes. But yeah. So yeah, we were just learning about that there. California's actually getting rid of Skittles. I, they're going to make them, uh, in five years, they're going to have to make Skittles completely different. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. There's a number of dyes. So food dyes, whether it's yellow or red or blue, have been associated with all sorts of problems in humans. And there's no. potential kids with behavioral issues. Um, there's other problems in animal studies. There's problems. So like food dyes, also problematic. So, so you already had a burger today. You had a bison burger. Oh, I had, I had a grass fed beef burger and I had some heart in a burger. So I had a heart burger and a beef what burger. What does heart taste like? Heart is a little bit organy, but not much. It's mild. I could give you a heart burger and you'd think it tastes a little different, but it's not that much different. I, I would think that, you know, you, you push, you push organs mm -hmm. and you push liver, which is, I guess is an organ and heart and stuff. And I think initially... People, when I hear that, I'm like, like oh, like, uh, like, what's that gonna taste like? Right, right. Or even same thing with deer. Even I've never really had deer. Uh, what does that taste like? What does bison taste like? I'm an organ pusher. Yeah, that's, that's a fair, that's a fair characterization. Well, no, I mean I'm sure there's a ton of benefits to it. Yeah. But I think getting it down someone's throat or getting me to go to the market and buy liver and cook it. My dad used to eat liver. And I would just be like, yo. If what? you didn't grow up eating it, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. I started eating liver again. You spice it? I just eat it plain. So you I'll eat it plain. I'll and eat, do you cook it in oil? I don't cook I don't cook anything in oil. So we can cook it on a grill. I cook it on a grill if I cook it. A lot so of your Airbnb your Airbnb will have a grill. It's gotta have a gotta grill. Have a grill. That's a filter on Airbnb. Must have a grill. Yep. Um and preferably, I mean, there's a lot of other things I have on the Airbnb. We can go through the checklist, but, uh, but yeah, I'll either Let's cook. Go through your Airbnb I'll, I'll cook it on. I'll cook it on a grill, or I'll eat it raw. But I started eating liver again when I was in medical school, so what, 15 years ago now or something, and uh, and it was it was hard. When I first started eating liver again, I was like kind of choking it down. I was kind of like like gagging a little bit. But over time, you get used to it. Yeah. The best thing is if you've eaten liver since you were a kid. People I know who've had liver since they were kids, they love it. Kids will eat liver like crazy. If you give your child liver when they're eight months or ten months old, which I think is a great thing to do because of the nutrients in liver, mm -hmm. they will love it. If you try and give your kid liver when they're three years old and they've had all these other flavor palettes, they're not used to that kind of irony thing. Yeah. It's going to be hard. So there's a window when you can give a child liver, and it's if it closes, that's a problem. And this is actually, interestingly... This is why I built my first company, which was Heart and Soil Supplements. Right. And Heart and Soil was built for my sister's children and my sister. Yeah. So my sister is eight years younger than me, and she has a son and a daughter who are four and six now, respectively. And I knew they would like never eat liver, right? And yeah. I thought my mom and dad are older. They're 73 each. They're not going to eat liver. Mm. But what we can do is take grass-fed, grass-finished organs from New Zealand – put them in a freeze dryer so you can take the water out of them at less than 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. So below freezing temperature and you can put it in a capsule and this is a great way to get organs. I think getting them fresh is hundred percent the best, but if you can't do that, that was why I built my first company to like fill that need for people. So I'm pretty proud of that too. Mm -hmm. Is that still out there? Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's try your jerky. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd your mind go? There you go, bro. Come All right, on. here we go. This is, you just came out with this. That's this pretty new, right? That just launched a week ago. We sold out on the first day. We got it back in stock yesterday. We sold out again. But Lineage classic meat sticks made with beef, liver, and heart. Yeah. Now, I love jerky. So this is, you're going to like this, I think, but we'll see. I'll reserve judgment. 
Okay, first of all, great texture. I like, I like, I like the way it looks. It's got a beef collagen casing on it, which is good for you. It's great. Wow. Grass-fed, grass-finished beef, regeneratively wow. raised. So I went to Australia. No sugar. no sugar. How do you make jerky without sugar? I thought you need sugar for jerky. You don't need sugar for jerky. The reason they put sugar in jerky is to make it heavier. And then they can sell it for more money, or the cost per unit is less, right? And they get a higher margin on it. Oh, this is great. You want to try? It really goes down well. Mitch, we'll you got to try this. Yeah, yeah. Do you um, like jerky, Mitch? I do. This is the best jerky I've ever eaten. Exactly. Yeah. It just tastes so good. So I went to Australia to vet the sourcing of our organs and meat for this jerky. There's, there's pictures and video of me at this farm on the Lineage Provision. So the name of this company is Lineage. And it's the most incredible farms I've ever seen in like the south part of Australia in Victoria by Melbourne. Yeah. It's green grass, the greenest grass I've ever seen, nuclear green, and the ocean. The cows are like on million dollar pieces of land overlooking the ocean. It's incredible. Like the Australian agriculture, the rest Australian regenerative agriculture is 30 years ahead of the US. And there's great farms in the US. Um, but really, the sourcing for this is really, really good. And I'm super proud of what we did here. So it's different. I'll tell you also this, and then we'll, we'll stop What's talking about jerky. For? What's that? What's your shelf for? So that, so every one of those, one of those, we sell them in three packs, mm -hmm. and it's like $60 for three of those mm -hmm. on the website, which is lineageprovisions.com. And there's 64 grams of protein in one package. Yeah. Wow. So not cheap, no. but high, super high quality, right? Have you run into problems with your lifestyle, people saying that it's too expensive for me. Absolutely. Yeah, so what do you say to that? Well, I've done a lot of content about this, mm -hmm. and every time I come to the U.S., I always do content of how to eat animal-based affordably. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can go to grocery store of your choice and spend $30 on one steak, right? Mm -hmm. Or you can go, if, if finances are an issue, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. You can go to Target. I mean, I was at Target the other day here in Los Angeles. You can get grass-fed beef at Target for $7 a pound. Mm -hmm. If $7 a pound for grass-fed beef is out of your budget, you can go to Walmart or Target and get regular meat. $7 a pound at Target? Yeah, yeah. Really? For grass-fed beef. Oh, wow. They sell grass-fed beef at Target. They do. Yeah, is yeah. It frozen? Uh, yeah, it might have been in the frozen section. I don't even know if it's frozen. It might have just been thawed. Yeah. Right. So you can get, get grass-fed beef at almost any grocery store now, mm -hmm. Safeway. Walmart has grass-fed beef. Mm -hmm. But if, if that's too much and you can't afford $7 a pound for grass-fed beef, which I get, some people are in that, that place, you can get regular ground beef, again, not the ideal ground beef, but still super nutritious for humans, yeah. for $3.50 a pound at Costco or at Walmart or other right. places. You can get a big, you can get like 10 pounds of beef for $32 at Walmart. Quick break in the action to let you guys know today's podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, the best ticketing app out there. Isn't that right, Naveen? That's right, Jason. Ah, oh, SeatGeek, you are just incredible. And what a great company. Great the best times. company out there, the best company for tickets. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I surprised Naveen on this podcast with tickets to Noah Khan, her favorite up-and-coming artist, uh, for uh, a show in June at the Hollywood Bowl. And you were absolutely floored, right? I cried. Yeah, the, the absolute best way to... Uh, give a gift to somebody or surprise somebody or even just grab the tickets and say, hey, I got a bunch of tickets to a concert and you can get them all from SeatGeek. You can get them, you can get tickets for concerts, uh, sporting events. Um, Comedy? Comedy shows, oh. yeah. Yeah, you can go see uh, Tony Hinchcliffe through SeatGeek. They really have it all. They have it all. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and right now, guys, if you use my code NASH, you're going to get $20 off your first order. Make some dreams come true, uh, and just be, I mean, like, I felt so good, like, after I got you those tickets. I was like, damn, I'm the man. Everyone loves a guy with tickets. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that okay to say? Everyone loves a guy with tickets. Everyone and loves everyone that. loves SeatGeek. Yeah. That's that's their new so slogan. Use our code Nash. Yeah, our code Nash. Or everyone loves a woman with with tickets. Oh yeah, yeah. If you wanna if you wanna be a woman with the tickets, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can do that too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone the, loves a person with tickets. The point is, if you guys go and download the SeatGeek app right now, go to the link in the description. You're gonna get twenty dollars off your first order. It's an incredible deal. The spring is here. So there's going to be a ton of outdoor concerts all over the country. And the great thing about SeatGeek is that on the app, they list the top 10 events in your city. So if you go download Amazing. the app right now, you can see what's playing. Uh, you can see who's coming and plan and have a great spring, a great summer, and do it all with SeatGeek. And my thanks to Naveen to Seat Geek. Oh. and SeatGeek for sponsoring this podcast. 
Right, Naveen? Yeah, we love you. Yeah, we love you, SeatGeek. Thank you. All right, back to the podcast. You're, you've even you've even gotten into sunblock. Yeah. Right. You've, you're you're down on the sunblock. I saw you're in the you're in the store and you're like none of the sunblock is good. It's hard. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, you mo- said make your own sunblock. You can mostly. But how I think do you of, make your own sunblock? So I made it in Costa Rica. What'd you use? You can use I used tallow. Yep. Coconut butter, beeswax, and zinc. Four ingredients. Okay. And I don't have any with me because. I'm tan from Costa Rica, and the sun yeah. in Los Angeles in February is fine sure. for me. I we don't know work. you're not perfect, Paul. I'm we not know perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. No, you don't have to be perfect. No, here. I'm good. I don't have any here with me, but you can make <laughs> Maybe your own. You are. No, but you can make your own. I told you, I'm I'm a little obsessive, but uh, well, so I'm good. striving. I'm always trying to be perfect, good, but good. I don't I don't make it there. But yeah, it's interesting. So you can make your own uh, with lineage. Well, with another company, um, zinc is a liquid. Zinc is a powder. A powder. Yeah, there's non-nano zinc oxide. Got it. And there's. There's a few tallow-based sunscreens out there now that are essentially what I made in my house. Uh-huh. And you can get those. Now, caveat, those sunscreens are going to make you look a little white unless you rub them in a lot. Yeah. So, but when I'm out surfing in Costa Rica, I don't care if my face is white. Yeah. I just I know that I'm out there. I don't put sunscreen anywhere else in my body because the rest of my body is really dark right now. I'm pretty tan. Um, but I will still put it on my face because I'm 46 years old and I'm becoming vain in my old age. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah. I mean, you look great. Come on. Thank you. Stop it. But I still... Like you know, I, I still know that I. What do you say to What do you say to a guy who's fifty and is worried about his libido? Not me. <laughs> what do you say? What do you say? What is the best way to attack that? Like have like a strong libido. Start with sleep. Oh, and then the quality of your food. Uh huh. So sleep. I mean, I, what's they're, your take on oysters? They're great, and we'll tell. I'll tell you why. Yeah. Right, but let's talk about sleep real quick. Okay. So, sleep is so underrated. Yeah. You cannot make testosterone if you don't sleep enough. So when I was in residency, um, there's a lot of sleep deprivation. If you deprive yourself of sleep, your pituitary gland in your brain will not tell your testicles, those are your balls, for all the guys listening, technical terms, your pituitary gland won't tell your balls to make testosterone. Right. So you have to get a signal from here down to there to make testosterone. Same for the ladies. You get a signal from your brain to your ovaries to make estrogen and, and, and all these other hormones, progesterone, yeah, all these things. So you have signals that go from your brain to your sex organs and other places in the body make testosterone but the main factory is in your testicles and so you don't want to not sleep because you want the signal to go from your brain to your testicles equally important you need to give your body nutrients that allow your body to make testosterone and make the hormones and make all these things that are important in these cascades zinc is a key component but there are so many nutrients beyond zinc so people think of oysters for sex drive because they're super high in zinc Meat is also super high in zinc. Uh-huh. A lot of the foods that are widely vilified are foods that are good for your testosterone. So saturated fat from animals has been associated with higher levels of testosterone in males. Butter, cheese, whole milk, raw milk, like all of these foods are associated with higher levels of testosterone in males. Yet we're told they're bad for us, right? So yeah. there's definitely a war on food quality now. You're told to eat plant-based and we can talk about soy as well because I think it's super interesting and, and avoid the things that are probably bad for your testosterone. There are interventional studies in humans showing that seed oils lower testosterone and lower the androgen receptor. So you have to have testosterone binding to a receptor to do the things it's supposed to do, you know, mm-hmm. in your brain, in your muscles, all these things that testosterone does. Having a bunch of testosterone is great, but if it doesn't bind to the, enough receptors, it's not going to have the same effect. And this is the problem with soy. And soy is in things like tempeh or tofu or Beyond Burgers, Impossible Burgers, right? And soy doesn't lower testosterone, but it lowers androgen receptors. Uh And a lot of people get confused about this because they'll point to meta-analyses, which are collections of studies, and they'll say, soy doesn't lower hormones in men. It's fine. You can eat soy and still, you know, have the same same hormonal drive as a man or the same performance as a man. It doesn't give you tits. I don't know if it gives you man boobs, but weed does. <laughs> That's a different weed thing. Weed does? Yes, absolutely. Cannabinoids Mitch. Cannabinoids definitely can can create estrogenic predominance in males and create like man boobs. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? It, it's controversial if soy gives you man boobs. I mean, if we use Bill Gates as an N of one, I'm gonna go with soy gives you man boobs, but who knows? And what's your take on um Say. That joke totally missed on you. I'm even... sorry. What did you say? I'm <laughs> so sorry. I'm not a great listener. I said if we use Bill Gates yeah. as an N of one, as an example, then soy definitely gives you man boobs. <laughs> I don't get it. Well, because look at his boob. He's, he has tons he, of... He has, does he have boobs? He has, he has man boobs, yeah. Bill Gates did you not know this? We're going to get a photo of here. 
Can we get a photo of Bill Gates' tits, please? Yes. Um, and then what do you make of uh, guys who want to go get, like, uh, TRT? So if you go in, you go in, you, they check your levels, and they go, oh, you're... I mean, come on. <laughs> like, it's me. <laughs> it's me posting it, but yeah. Is that your post? It's my post on Facebook, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, he's got to... He's, he's got to... He's got to rent the right Airbnb. Um, so what do you make of people that, uh, guys that want to do TRT and stuff like that? So let's say you go in, your levels are a little low. Most of the time their levels are low because they're not sleeping enough uh, and they're not eating properly uh, or they're eating the wrong things. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So TRT is useful for men, but what I would say is realize that it has long-term consequences. Long-term, like long-term TRT can make males infertile and make it difficult to conceive if you want to have kids later on in life. Uh, I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday who's been on TRT. Now he wants to have kids with his wife and he's having to rehabilitate his sperm <clears throat> rehabilitate sperm he's eating meat yep. you know yep. i gave him we have a supplement at hardened soil called whole package which actually contains desiccated testicle yeah i gave him some of that basically i think cutting out the junk sleeping more working less not he's changing out his underwear don't wear polyester underwear oh, yeah, i mean this I is a great that. question let me just let me just amplify the fact that you asked an amazing question okay how do you rehabilitate your sperm yeah best question ever sure don't wear polyester underwear don't keep your cell phone in your pocket next to your balls right right we just talked about the emfs right don't do that eat don't nutrient-rich them. foods yeah. don't eat seed oils sleep enough go in the sun those so, are great ways to so do you it. think a guy with the right amount of sleep and food doesn't need trt probably not Right. Depending on the case, right? Probably not. Interesting. The people I know who have gone on TRT, when I ask them in retrospect, they usually tell me, oh man, I was working so much. I was stressed. I wasn't eating right. And yeah. Like, okay, your doctor appropriately diagnosed you with hypogonadism, low testosterone, but could they have corrected things and maybe you didn't need TRT? Yeah, I noticed like, like on Friday, I went, to, uh, I, went, I went out of town to see my wife's family. And I was just like really dragging, like Friday, dragging, Saturday, dragging, Sunday. But over those three days, I slept like uh, 10 hours every night. Okay. And then today when I went to yoga, I was like, I thought because I wasn't working out that it'd be really hard, but I had a ton of energy. There you go. Because I had so much sleep, like uh, four good nights of sleep. Sleep is the most underrated performance enhancing supplement there is. you go to bed at eight. In Costa Rica, I do because the sun goes down. So I didn't realize this until I lived at the equator. But there's not a lot of variation seasonally in terms of when the sun comes up and goes down. So pretty much all year round, the sun comes up between 515 and 535 in Costa Rica. Okay. And it goes, the sun goes down similarly, you know, around yep. 535 to 6 o'clock in Costa Rica, give or take, you know? Yeah. So the sun is always up by 6 a.m. and always down by 6 p.m. in Costa Rica. Yeah. So... It's been dark for two hours, even in the middle of June in Costa Rica. Yep. And I've been and, and I like to get up and surf, so it's very convenient. The the first guy in the water gets the best waves usually. Yep. Not always. But I like to be the first guy in the water, or I like to be there super early in the water, watch the sun rise over the water. The offshore winds are the best first thing in the morning. So have you heard this thing that every hour of sleep before midnight is worth two hours? I've heard it. Have you I, ever heard that? Yeah, I don't know if it's really true, but yeah, maybe. But I think if we think about it, it is true in a way, like in terms of like circadian rhythms and things like that, right? Probably. But here's the other thing to consider. The variation in when you go to sleep is also important. Ah. So if you're used to going to sleep, this is always hard for me when I travel. Circadian rhythms are a rhythm. My body is used to going to sleep at 8 p.m. Central Time, right? Yeah. In Costa Rica. Los Angeles is now two hours behind that. So I come to Los Angeles. I go to sleep at 9 p.m. in L.A. That's 11 o'clock in Costa Rica. Like, I'm really throwing my circadian rhythm off, and there's mm-hmm. going to be a price to pay. It's worth it to come and spend time with you and other people and, and mm-hmm. do the things that I want to do in Los Angeles. But even within a certain time zone, if you consistently go to sleep at 9.30 and you stay out until 11.30 with your friends, that's valid. Just realize you're going to feel it the next you're gonna day. You're going to pay for it. You're going to pay for it. Yeah. And, th- and that's worth it. That's worth it to do sometimes. Just like it's okay to eat the cake sometimes. It's worth it. Yeah. But that's why you're going to feel bad the next day. Yeah, it's so tough. That was, I was talking to my friend. My friend has a fitness company and we saw this TikTok that was so great. It like, it broke down. You know, it's that idea of like your friend. So let's say, let's say, I, I, I'd say, okay, I'm going to be good. And Jason Nash, I'm going to be good. I'm going to start my 
workout regimen, and uh, I'm not going to have any sweets. And I can do it. I can go without sweets. You know, like I can do it. I know I can. And then you go to that party, and someone goes, well, it's cake, right? It comes out, and then somebody walks up with the, to you with the cake, with the fork, and they go, here you go. Like, it's cake. It's, it's, it's Shannon's birthday, right? And you go, I go, oh, no, no, I'm not having cake right now. I swear to God, it, you have to fight that off like seven or eight times. What do you, then it's a thing. What do you mean you're not having cake? What, what why? You're not gonna, you, it's, then they go like this. They go, this is what the TikTok was so great. They go, it was, it's one bite. Just have one bite. And what they don't understand for me is that like that one bite, yeah. that one bite is like heroin, right? That one bite is like, it gives me the taste for it. And now I'm like, Paul, I will eat the fridge. That's why I just quit smoking weed. I had to reckon it with myself because I, I, I would smoke a little weed and I'd be like, oh, this is great. Like, chill me out. Awesome. I don't smoke a lot. But then I would eat the fridge. So then I was like, I can't do it anymore because I, I, will, I will eat until I'm sick. Satiety is king. What'd you say? Satiety. Satiety. Satiety is king. What's that? Satiety is the opposite of hunger. Okay. Being satiated. Oh, yes. Being saved, yes, right? Yes, yes. It's all about being hungry or not being hungry. Yes. Hunger is a feeling. Mm-hmm. Is it an emotion? I don't know. That humans don't fight, right? Like, yeah. hunger is, you don't, we will not be hungry. And there are ways to lose weight where you're hungry and you're counting calories and you can do it for a short amount of time, but you're going to be hungry and that's miserable. Yeah. You eat a piece of cake, you get hungrier. Yes. You weren't even hungry when you ate the cake and you eat the cake and it makes you hungry. Mm-hmm. You weren't hungry before you smoked the weed. You smoke the weed, you get hungry. Humans for hundreds of thousands of years have been fighting off hunger. That's how we stayed alive. Yeah. But now ultra processed foods, seed oil containing foods sabotage us because they make us hungrier. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. Right. Calories in, calories out works. And if you eat foods that make you hungrier, you are going to be fat and you're, or you're going to suffer. Yeah. You just cannot win if you are eating foods that sabotage your satiety in your brain. Yeah. And I challenge you, and I think you understand where this goes, to eat only steak and fruit and vegetables and to gain weight. You can eat as much as you want. Right. As much, but you're not going to want to eat them anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you're just like, off. I'm done. Yeah, I don't, yeah, don't want to eat. It's not even yeah, pleasurable to eat the steak. The yeah, first bite of steak, steak tastes great. The first bite of rice tastes okay. The first piece of fruit tastes great. At some point, your body just realizes, I'm done. Yeah. And then you don't want to eat it. It's just unpleasant to eat the steak. I don't think it becomes unpleasant to eat junk food until you are literally in pain from your stomach. Yeah. Right? There's no brain break. It's just a physical, and I've experienced this in the past too. Before I started thinking about food, I remember I used to like, I don't know if it was Chipotle burritos or burritos from somewhere. I remember one time I ate so many of them that I was just in pain. Yeah. There's no off switch. <laughs> Probably because the, the rice is cooked in seed oils or, you know, the tortilla has something in it that's sabotaging my satiety. Yep. But this is the problem. If you're eating foods that don't have an off switch in your brain, you're in trouble. Oh, wow. You're in trouble. You really nailed it. Yeah, yeah. So That's like, awesome. It's just so hard. So it's just like, look. It, it's so much of it is psychology, too. It's like, I, 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 I was thinking about it like once, like why I like will like binge eat and stuff. And my, what I think it is, is like, you know, you have these like stresses in your life. And then, but you can control eating an entire bag of M&Ms. It's like your, it's the one thing yes. that you can control. And I wish more people, um, who talked about like diet and health and stuff like that talked about the psychology that like goes through someone's brain. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. Like, you know, um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I know you're a, a psychologist. A psychiatrist. Well, psychiatrist. T- technically I, I'm not, I don't, I don't like to say psychiatrist because people misunderstand that. I don't practice psychiatry anymore. Okay. I'm just a doctor. Got I it. did my residency in psychiatry. I've left the field far behind. Okay. Okay. I don't do that, but I'm interested in, the mental side of things and neuroinflammation, like I said. But so my dad told me something once my dad grew up with a mother who was very strict and he said that he overate because it was the only thing that was fun. Yeah. He said, we weren't allowed to have fun in my house and the only fun I could have was food. So funny. And I think a lot of people feel that way today. I mean, look, if we look at society today, people are engaging less. We're divided on social media. We're having less sex. Yeah. You know, like I saw some crazy statistics. Speak for yourself. (laughs) In general, in general, right? Um, You know, like 
if you look at millennials, I think like 30% of men and 20% of women had not had sex in a year. <laughs> right. So like, I think that for a variety, for a variety of reasons, you know, yeah. like we're just divided as humans. Like, and you know, this idea that like, if you look at dating culture, it's just, it's hard for men. It's hard for women. Right. And, and, and food is always there. Food yeah. is like an orgasm in your mouth, man. Yeah. Food. It's similar, right? It's dopamine. Yeah. And, it feels good. Yeah, it's dopamine. It's yeah, dopamine. Yeah, it's not yeah, dopamine yeah, yeah, in the yeah. same way that you are with a human and yeah. human connection. I had some ice cream last right, night. Right, right. It it's pretty, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pretty heavenly. So yeah, it's dopamine. And so it's accessible for anyone. Yep. And I'm not saying that we all need to be having sex so that we don't eat junk food, but there's it's it's kind of like it's hard. I mean, these things are addictive. Pornography is addictive for people, junk food is addictive for people, yeah. cigarettes are addictive for people, french fries are addictive for people. We know why. Yeah. It's all it's all kind of on the same continuum. I really liked what you said like I think I think maybe that could really help people is like when you do engage in those types of foods you're you're engaging in foods that won't allow your satiety? Satiety. Satiety to turn off. To turn well satiety turns to, on, yes, but your yeah, hunger yeah, turns to off. to turn on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's the same thing There's as no uh, as Jim Beam or or it's a car tequila with, it's or, a car with no brakes. Yeah. This yeah. is super fun. Yes. I'm, I'm driving right down Mulholland Drive with no brakes. This is great until the door, <laughs> you until see there's me at three in the morning. Until there's a freaking dump truck coming around the corner. Yeah, and yeah I got fucked. a dump truck on my on myself right now. Yeah, yeah, from eating all that garbage. Oh wow, uh, what a journey. Yeah, I'm gonna try to. It's so tough. It's so tough. So wait, so what do you do if someone goes asks you to go out to dinner? I mean, I, I'll go out. I mean, you won't eat anything. So general, okay. So here's what I should say. Number one. I don't go out to dinner with girls on the first date. I generally try not to take girls to restaurants on right, dates. Right, right. Um, because I don't want to eat at restaurants. I can make better food at my house. Got it. I don't go to a lot of restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've got an amazing girlfriend in Costa Rica right now. She doesn't like to go to restaurants either. We just cook food at home. You know, right, right, We want right. to celebrate something. We just make a dinner at home. Got it. I can make better food at home. But I understand that people like to go to restaurants. It's fun. It's social. It's a vibe. I get it. Right. And if I'm going to go to a restaurant, I'm going to think... I'm going to probably pre-screen the menu. Yep. Do they have a steak? Yep. Do they have something that's likely not to be cooked in seed oils? Or is everything going to have sauces? Wow. Man, I could not go to an Ethiopian restaurant. I used to love Ethiopian food. Right. Injera. Like, I'm just not going because everything is cooked Mm -hmm. in seed oils. And there's nothing there for me that's just a piece of meat on a grill, no seed oils. That's what I need. Restaurants are like survival for me. I'm I'm like in a gauntlet. I'm like trying to survive. They're not fun for me. Yeah, it is that that way. I like being with humans. I I like the setting. But it's not easy, right? They're not, they're not trying to make healthy food for me. They're trying to make food that tastes good and probably overcharge me for it with some sort of fancy, right. you know. And you don't drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. That's a different thing. You know, I just did a piece of content today, and I said, if I don't, I don't drink coffee, but if I did, here's, I how, saw I, it. I here's it. how I would do it. Yeah, yeah. I think there's ways to do coffee better and ways to the do coffee The interesting thing about worse. the video you made was you said that the coffee, <laughs> if you have it at 12 o'clock, it's still in your body at 10. About, yeah. a, about a quarter of it. Wow. Of the caffeine, yeah. The half-life of caffeine is five hours. So you have a, a Starbucks venti coffee, right? 200 milligrams of caffeine at noon. You still have 50 milligrams of caffeine in your body at 10 p.m. Right. And that's the equivalent. I think one caffeine pill from like a CVS is 50 milligrams. Right. So that's like taking one caffeine pill at 10 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? Yeah. And this is the, this is the double-edged sword of, of coffee and caffeine, uh, it makes the world go round. People love it. It's enjoyable, but it's enjoyable because the caffeine also hits dopamine in your brain. Mm-hmm. So caffeine is addictive, mm-hmm. just like coffee is very addictive. And I don't like things that are addictive. Yeah. So and it makes caffeine. When I did use it when I was in PA school. It gave me heart palpitations. Uh-huh. So I don't like it. Um, and there's other problems. So if you can, there are good coffees out there now. Organic coffees that are free from mold, free from pesticides. You can cook it. No, you can cook it. This is. Um, I don't even drink coffee, so I don't even use the right words. You can make the coffee in a, in a French press, right? We're not talking uh, yes, about mess. Yes, you're saying. <laughs> I, I noticed in the video today, you were like, I, w- I wouldn't cook it in a coffee pot because of the condensation, right, at the right. top of the pot. But yeah, you, it's all a French press, a or French a, press, or a pour over. Yeah, pour over. Yeah. It's just in a cloth and then glass or a mug. Okay, here's a big one. Yeah. Here's a really big one. We have a problem in our house. All right. Okay, my wife, my wife, she's somewhat. Now, I should praise her because she went three weeks. She's gone three weeks without an energy drink. Okay. Which is great. That's Fantastic. A, a great Props. job. And, and now we think that the energy drinks were making her sick. Probably. Uh, what's your 
vibe on energy drinks. Absolutely. Okay, so look at this. You yeah. know, it's funny. Because I know when I drink an energy drink, I, I, I get sick right away. I don't feel good. Energy drinks are not designed to be healthy for you. Yes, Just, but people love them. People love them because it's like a coffee. It's a yeah. jolt, right? Yeah. Because everyone is underslept. Right. right. Because no one is, because we're all undernourished and underslept. People use energy drinks and coffee as a crutch. Full right. stop. Energy drinks, I, I have never seen an energy drink with any of the forms of the vitamins that I would like to see in it, right? Yeah. So energy drinks are basically, they're all the same. They're going to have caffeine, and they're going to have it from green coffee extract. It's a natural form of caffeine. Great, whatever. They're going to have caffeine. They might have taurine, which yeah. is good. I mean, taurine is helpful for humans. Taurine has been associated across species with longevity, and it's only found in meat, right? Right. So it's, a, it's a, an animal-based food, an animal-based nutrient. You're putting taurine in energy drink. Great. They put B12 in energy drinks. Great. It's an animal-based nutrient. But they put the wrong form of vitamin B12 in energy drinks. They put cyanocobalamin, not methyl, adenosyl, or hydroxocobalamin. Cyanocobalamin starts with cyanide. Yes. Right? Not a form of B12 you want to be taking, like harmful. They also put folic acid in energy drinks. Folic acid is a form of folate that doesn't occur in nature. Mm -hmm. And your body has to convert folic acid. I'm going to get technical. Hold on. It's okay. Folic acid has to be converted to dihydrofolate or tetrahydrofolate by an enzyme called dihydrofolate reductase. That enzyme gets saturated at a certain level. Your body can only metabolize some folic acid. Then you get unmetabolized folic acid in your body, and it can cause harm in humans. Right. So energy drinks are not full of the right forms of vitamins. They're yeah. basically caffeine and vitamins. And Does then anyone not, make a healthy energy drink? Not that I know of. There's a good, there's a good thing for you. Yeah, that's a good thing for you. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I don't. I wouldn't really be. You, you, not, know, you wouldn't drink that. I, I wouldn't drink. The thing it. about the thing that's great about this is. You're, you, you're going to eat this. I, I do eat it. <laughs> yeah, you know? and there's very few things you eat. That's right. So that, that's what I feel good about. Like, I'm not going to make something that I wouldn't eat. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to make something that I wouldn't give to my sister or my family. Yeah. And so I wouldn't say, hey, take an energy drink. I'd say, sleep more, sis. Now what's your take on heroin? <laughs> it's natural. Bad for you. <laughs> of course. <laughs> problematic for Cocaine. Her. Problematic for Problematic. Human. Cocaine is problematic. Don't cocaine, do cocaine. Co- cocaine is bad. Okay. We, just, I mean, we already know weed is bad. Weed is a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. These things, I mean. What if, what if, you, what if all of a sudden you had to have a surgery mm-hmm. and they wanted to give you pain pills? Would you say no? I've had one surgery in my life. Yeah. When I was in medical school, I got a ganglion cyst on the back of my knee. I was doing jujitsu and I had a big fluid filled cyst on the back of my knee. Eventually it got infected because the orthopedic surgeon misdiagnosed it. Long story, had to have a surgery. I'm still traumatized about this. Mm. I had the surgery. I went under anesthesia. I'm sure I lost brain cells. I wish I were smarter guys, but this is what I'm working with. Um, and they gave me pain pills at the end of it and I didn't take a single one. I was like, yeah. Get the, I'm not going to take this fucking shit. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. just, I don't even want it. Terrible. I don't want to feel bad. This is just the way I'm wired. Yeah. So this is interesting. It's not hard for me, right? But it's really hard for a lot of people. So I don't even want to take the pain pills. I don't yeah. I don't want that. I came out of surgery. I'm sure they gave me some sort of opiate and surgery and came out of surgery a little loopy, but I didn't take a single pain pill. I didn't have a problem. Here's one. I was in Houston this weekend and this uh, my wife's aunt, who I love, salt of the earth woman, she says, uh, my back... She was picking up the baby. She says, "Ah, she's in my back because I can't do anything for my back." And what do you what do you do? What do you do to somebody that maybe doesn't work out a lot, fifty five years old, back problems? I had a meet and greet at Arawan this weekend. Yeah. Uh, oh, in, damn! I wish I was there in Culver City on Saturday morning. Sick. For we were filming for the documentary, we got a bunch of success stories. First guy in line. Yeah. Got there an hour and a half early. Drove up from San Diego. Seventy two years old. Yeah. His name was Les. He'd lost 40 pounds. We've got photos. He sent us all this stuff. He's lost 40 pounds, 72 years old. And he told me, the, the surgeons told me I was going to have to have surgery on my back. I was painful, my knees. I changed my diet. He's, wow. full, he's full carnivore now and he eats fruit. Yeah. Everything got better. Really? I don't care if you're 35, 25, 55, or 75. Change the quality of your diet. It's could, there's a good chance. Yep. Everything will get better. And not every, but it improved significantly. Look at these photos. Les is a hero. Les. This guy's amazing. He's jacked. He's j- 72 years old. That's how old my dad is. My dad doesn't look like that. Well, I like how simple you make it for everybody. You've made it very simple. Sleep and diet and that's Sleep it. Sleep and diet. But people don't know what foods to eat, right? They yeah. get fearful of meat. Don't fear meat. Don't fear meat. Yeah. We've been eating red meat for hundreds of thousands of years. It's not bad for humans. Doesn't cause cancer. Won't shorten your life. Won't give you a heart attack. There's all these, you know, granular things I talk about on my social media. People can go down all those rabbit holes if they're concerned. Yeah. Meat is good for you. Organs are good for you. Eat eat unpro- unprocessed food, you know, minimally processed food. 
you could say the beef sticks are processed, whatever, but it's 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 air dried. So these are air dried beef sticks yeah, in seventy eight yeah. degrees. Like they're, they're, sure. they're really not processed. It's basically like uh, fancy jerky in some ways. Um, if you eat minimally processed or unprocessed animal foods and plant foods, you can even eat vegetables. Get rid of seed oils. We never had them those as humans. You'll do better. You'll thrive. Wow. It's just unprocessed plant foods and animal food. All right, Paul. Thank you so much. Yeah, brother. Good luck, guys. Go go try this. Uh, it's fantastic. If you like jerky, it's the best jerky I ever tasted, and it just tastes super super clean. And uh, I'm gonna eat the whole thing. Lineageprovisions.com. I got an extra one for you. Okay, great. I'll give you one. All right. Thanks, brother. Bye, Paul. Thank you. you Bye, guys. guys. Take care. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale, it's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.